Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Flushing Bible Church uh, Sunday School Hour, where we'll be studying the book of Proverbs here shortly. A couple, couple of uh, items on the agenda. First, I wanted to say there's a potluck next week. We haven't really been uh, announcing that much or at all, in fact. <laughs> but the next Sunday actually is the fifth Sunday of the month, so we'll enjoy that after the service. Uh, and we'll save other stuff for later. Let's have a quick word of prayer, and then we'll get started this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to gather together around your word. We thank you for revealing yourself to us in the scriptures, and I just pray that the Holy Spirit would meet with us this morning, and that you would help us to understand the truths that we uh, look into this morning. I thank you for the love that we have for one another, and I thank you especially for the love that you have for us in that you came into this world to die for our sins and you offer uh, eternal life to us through not through keeping a set of rules and regulations, but by your grace through faith and trust in what Christ did for us on the cross. I just pray that 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 truth would uh, mold our thinking and motivate us to live lives that are pleasing to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so like we've been doing uh, the past few weeks, we'll begin with a with a few uh, couple of articles this morning. Here's uh, here's one that kind of got my attention this week. From uh, this is actually well, the headline it's from the Gateway Pundit. Uh, the headline is "Mural at Michigan Middle School Sparks Outrage Over Transgender Flag and Demon Face." Uh, and this is from a school in Hart, Michigan. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of Hart, Michigan, but it's uh, uh, well. You if you haven't heard of Hart, Michigan, you've probably never heard of Layton Corners, which is about uh, yeah. So we're familiar with that one. Hart is a, on the map. It looks like about the same size as as uh, Layton Corners. Uh, and so this has just kind of got my attention because the whole concept of small town America being kind of insulated from the world and, and kind of bad things that go on, that is, that is a very old-fashioned uh, uh, anachronistic, or a fancy word, concept. Uh, it's not that way anymore. There's, there's this thing called the internet and uh, social media. And so kids and the whole world is essentially connected uh, and young people especially connected together. And, and it doesn't matter where you live in this world, you can have access to things that used to be kind of contained in uh, more metropolitan areas. So this uh, article, here's, uh, I got another shot, actually a screenshot of what the mural actually is, so you can see it better there. Uh, article says, a mural painted by a student at a Michigan middle school has sparked outrage for featuring a child wearing a transgender flag and a face of a demon, which you can't really see too much, but that's right there. And, uh, yeah, 
It's interesting. The mural also features a creature holding a syringe. That's up here. In case you can't see that, that this is a syringe. <laughs> this uh, thing is flying through the air dressed like Santa Claus, ready to jab people with a syringe. It's very, very strange. Uh, there is a girl in a rainbow outfit, of course, and the Hamza hand over here, if you can see that, uh, which alarmed parents and was a sign of witchcraft. Evelyn Gonzalez, the Grant High School student who painted the mural for Grant Middle School, told this, the TV station that she created it to, quote, make people feel welcome. The issue was raised during a school board meeting Monday, October 10th, which the young lady was present at. Gonzalez claimed that the demon is from a video game and that she wasn't intentionally painting Satan, which is, I'm not sure how that, I, at any rate. <laughs> that's not what I'm part of, says Gonzalez. That's not what I'm trying to put, uh, put out there. Over 50 parents attended and spoke out about the artwork. I feel like she did a really good job finding excuses to defend the things she put on, said parent Caitlin Thompson, according to a report. None of us are that stupid. And I watched the video about it. It is kind of, uh, it was kind of interesting, pretty heated school board meeting about this in this small town. Uh, and the school allowed this. Uh, to be painted on the wall. It was painted on the wall outside of the, uh, like the nurse's student or the nurse's office. And so just everything that is uh, part of the message, quote unquote, all encapsulated in one thing and is put on the, the wall of the school for everyone to see. It turned out that I think that they did, they did make the face of Satan have to come off of the mural and uh, something else too. I don't remember what it, what it was, but that just found that kind of interesting that, uh, yeah, if we're, if we're just kind of putting our kids into, into public schools and even some private schools, it's no guarantee that they aren't being exposed to this kind of thing, even if it's not coming from the teachers per se, it could definitely be coming from other other students who are exposed to this kind of thing. And so just to just to bring an example to your attention about that right here in the state of Michigan. Here's another one that I that I came across this week that was uh, really interesting. This is from the National Pulse, and you probably can't uh, see that too well, but the headline is it's about a, a peer-reviewed study that was done. And the headline is, Childlessness Leads to Liberalism, Support for Homosexuality, Abortion, and Promiscuity, While Parenthood Creates Conservatism and Traditional Values. So that was kind of interesting. Th these people did a study. I'll just read it to you. A series of four studies by researchers from the United States, Chile, Australia, South Korea, Poland, Japan, Denmark, and Serbia. So pretty wide uh, cross-section of the world has concluded that the, quote, the motivation to care for children is consequently among the fundamental drivers of human behavior but its power to shape social attitudes and <coughs> cognition is underappreciated. 
Uh, the studies revealed cross-cultural and experimental evidence suggesting that parental care motivation leads to increases in socially conservative attitudes and that parenthood is associated with social conservatism around the globe. And so by conservatism, we're not, I'm not, and the study isn't you know, labeling particular uh, political parties. This is, when they speak of social conservatism, another way to look at it is uh, godly living, raising children, uh, be, uh, having a husband and a wife living together, raising their children, and acting in a way that is in keeping uh, with the moral dictates of Scripture. And that is borne out in this study that people, and you don't necessarily have to have children in the study, but a motivation to love and nurture children is directly related to your moral behavior, according to this study. Also, conversely, researchers noted that failure to have children necessarily leads to a greater acceptance of socially liberal and degenerate behaviors, such as support for abortion, homosexuality, sexual promiscuity, or infidelity and adultery. The multi-study paper entitled, has a long title, Experimental and Cross-Cultural Evidence that Parenthood and Parental Care Motivates Increased Social Conservatism, was published in the journal Proceedings of the Royal Society over the summer. Conclusions were drawn from a survey, survey of 2,610 people in 10 countries and a separate study into archival data from over 400,000 individuals in 88 countries. So this is, again, a very broad cross-section of people. Researchers also conducted experiments with participants, finding that individuals who wrote about positive interactions with children were more socially conservative than their counterparts who were asked to think about non-child-related experiences. Uh, the study comes as various corporate and left-leaning groups such as the World Economic Forum and Black Lives Matter have sought to abolish the nuclear family in favor of a Marxist social structure, which, uh, according to the study, consequently leads to uh, acceptance of homosexuality, transgenderism, immorality, adultery, and all of these kinds of things. The two are tied together. So, when we uh, consider God and his law for, oh, let's just say the nation of Israel, he wasn't be, when he laid down, literally laid down the law for the nation of Israel, he wasn't being mean when he told them, no, you ought to be married to one woman if you're a man. That, that is the standard. You should have children. You should raise them. You should nurture them. You should uh, raise them up to love the Lord, serve the Lord, obey the Lord, you should not participate in the, in the deeds of darkness that you see the people in the land doing. You, you can't do that. There's a reason why he did that. So that the society would continue to perpetuate. When you don't do that, you end up with 
the most egregious sin that is humanly imaginable, which the people in the land, the Canaanites, Jezebites, all of the other ites, were doing. And that isn't homosexuality or whatever. That is putting their children literally into the fire, sacrificing their very own children because they're so uh, consumed and overwhelmed with their desire for immorality that they don't want their children around. So they threw them into the fire and sacrificed them to a false gods. And we we're kind of doing the same thing in America. We are absolutely headed towards, towards that, uh, if not already outright doing it with abortion uh, and all of the other things that go along with it. And there are plenty of videos that you can uh, look up for yourself. Well, I d- I'm not even going to mention. It's just so disgusting that people are doing with their children now at various events. It's, it's just incredible. But th- this is, uh, according to this peer-reviewed study, that essentially, uh, if you follow godly principles in how you raise your family, you're going to be more of a moral person, more live your life in keeping with dictates of Scripture which ought to be our goal. And when you don't, you don't. And uh, this is proven by science. So that's kind of uh, very interesting. A couple of interesting articles there. And again, it has uh, nothing to do with politics. Well, <laughs> I guess it sort of does have to do with politics in the end. Uh, and we ought to be aware of these things, aware of who the candidates are who are running for various offices and vote for people who uh, want to perpetuate godly principles and definitely vote against those who do not. And so with that, let's uh, learn a little bit more about godly principles and how to uh, apply them to our lives through the study of God's Word in the book of Proverbs, uh, which is just so uh, so pertinent for today and uh, as a reminder or a wake-up call to us to, to uh, apply the truths of God's Word to our lives as we see our nation just heading off the cliff and descending into... Uh, the abyss of immorality as a nation. And we know how this story ends. If we pay any attention at all to history, we know how the story ends, and it's not, uh, it's not good. So as a church, however, we don't have to follow uh, the world. In fact, we are told to not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds through the study of Scripture. And when we do that and apply these things, we will uh, find our lives being aligned with what we see here in Proverbs, and we can learn how to act like a Christian or how to act the way that God wants us to. And really, uh, this book is, is, the whole point of Proverbs is to learn about <laughs> wisdom, 
is to, to know wisdom and to, to know knowledge, apply it to our lives, and act in a way that is wise. Proverbs 1-2, the purpose of the book, to know, the purpose of the Proverbs of Solomon, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding. And the foundation of wisdom is having knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 1.7 says that to us. And so the, the very foundation of, of having knowledge is understanding your place as a created human being uh, before a holy and righteous God, recognizing him as your creator, him as being sovereign over the world, and aligning yourself to that fact. That is, that is the very foundation for knowledge, which is the foundation for wisdom. You can't be act wisely if you don't have this knowledge. And you can't have true knowledge if you don't understand your relationship to God. And so in Proverbs chapter 2, we're going to find that this wisdom acting wisely, applying knowledge to your life and acting in a wise manner comes from the Lord. It's found in the Lord. Proverbs uh, chapter 2. That's where we'll find ourselves today. We'll, we'll see the searching, the supply, and the security if we can actually make it that far in about 25 minutes. I'm no, no guarantees there. Uh, but notice the searching. Proverbs 2, I'll just read down through uh, verse 8 to get us started here. Uh, Proverbs 2, verse 1 says, My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding, for if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones. Notice that this idea of searching for the truth and searching for wisdom is, is a very key ingredient to finding it. <laughs> if, you're, if you want to find wisdom, if you want to find knowledge, well, you have to look for it. It doesn't just fall into your lap. And notice that, that conditional statement there. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments. Verse 3, for if you cry for discernment. Verse 4, if you seek her as silver. This is, uh, this is something that we have to do. It's not, it's not an automatic thing. That if ought to be in bold and highlighted for us because like we've been uh, mentioned Several times already in this study, the, the book of Proverbs is also largely a book about choice. 
and the fact that we have a choice in how we live our lives, that we have to make that choice. We have to make that decision to follow the Lord. He, doesn't, he does not do it for us. And so uh, the conditional language here is just to uh, emphasize for us. If, verse 1 of uh, chapter 2, if you will receive my words, you, you have to hear uh, or read the word, in other words, for this to, to happen. The truth is found in God's words. Uh, and we'll get to the, the Father's role in this here shortly. Uh, but if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you. So first you have to hear and receive these words, and then you have to treasure them. You, you don't just hear them. It's not just in one ear and out the other. Uh, it's not like well, our paycheck shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't come in one hand and go right out the other. We ought to, we ought to save some of that for a, uh, a rainy day or invest it, this kind of thing, you know, treasure it a little bit, be grateful for it. That's the same idea with God's word. We should not be hearers only. James 1, 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror, for once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. That, this is what Solomon is speaking of here, that he, he wants us to, uh, or in this case, using it, this poetic device, directing it towards his son. He wants his son to hear his, his teaching uh, uh, and receive it, treasure it. If you do that, then there's going to be a result. And if you don't do that, well, there's going to be a result also. Uh, but similar to our, to our study that we learned about at the beginning there, uh, if you treasure children, if you raise them up and are concerned with them, then you are going to be more morally in line with God's word as a direct result. If you don't, then you won't. Consequences of our actions, consequences of our choices. And so, again, Solomon, uh, again, the book, of po the book of Proverbs is a book of poetry, and so he's using this device a uh, poetic device as if he is instructing his sons in this or his son in these teachings. But of course, it's applicable to every one of us, whether you're a man or a woman, a boy or a girl. Of course, these things are, are true for us. Uh, and so, but this also brings up the idea of fathers being the ones who are responsible for, overall responsible for the teaching of their children. Now, that doesn't mean that as the fathers, you know, uh, there aren't too many 
Well, it doesn't mean that the Father is the one who day-to-day is doing the teaching. If you home, happen to homeschool your kids, it doesn't mean the Father has to be the one teaching the kids to read and write and all of these things. Uh, but it does mean that, according to the Bible, that the Father is the overall head of the home, something we've studied a number of times, number of different places, Old and New Testament, that's just very clear. Right from the very beginning, God made it the, this way in, in the garden. Adam was responsible for uh, his family, even though it was just he and, and Eve. Uh, he was the one who was responsible. And in fact, uh, I think Adam sinned before Eve did, even though it's not necessarily recorded for us in the scripture. He is absolutely the one who is held responsible. God didn't call Eve to account. He called Adam to account. And Adam uh, had to have sinned before Eve did because he allowed Satan to directly talk to Eve and influence her thinking. He didn't protect her. He didn't fulfill his role as the, as the head of his, his home. Even though there's only two people on the earth at that time, he wasn't fulfilling his his role, and God held him uh, accountable for that. And so the same is true for today. As a father, uh, it's your responsibility to be the one in charge of your, of your home, and, you, and with that comes the responsibility of being the one who's responsible. So you, you are held to account whether you're doing it or not, God is, is holding you accountable for that. And so when you teach your kids, notice that Solomon says here, if you receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, the implication is that he's teaching him from the Bible. He's teaching his kids according to God's word. So we need to be doing the same thing when we're instructing our children how to, how to live, how to... Uh, be right with God. It's got to come from the Bible. And, uh, and oh, by the way, our, the, one of the best ways that we instruct our children is how we live our own lives personally as an example. So our, our words and our actions have to, have to match up for that to work correctly. Then notice... Uh, Verse 2, the kind of the, the conditions continue here. Make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. And this all fits under that very first if. If you make your ear attentive to wisdom, if you incline your heart to understanding. And now one of the amazing things about Hebrew is the the Hebrew language is that it makes things very very clear. For example, in this in this instance, uh, the Hebrew language is uh, they use various stems kind of uh, or additions to words to to tell us what part of speech it is, what kind of a verb it is, what kind of action the verbs are describing. And so these uh, verbs here, make and incline, in verse 2, use what is called the hyphil stem. And this, is, this means 
that the subject is causing the action. And so here, Solomon is imploring his son to make your ears attentive. You do it. You have to do it. You have to incline your heart to understanding. This is something that you have to choose to do. Very clear in the language. God is not the one doing this. God is not making you, uh, your ear, attentive to wisdom. God is not inclining your heart to understanding. You do it. You are responsible. And so you have to choose to desire wisdom and godly behavior. That, that, that is your role in this process. And uh, kind of one of the pitfalls of Reformed theology is this idea that God makes us believe, that God makes us uh, obey. And if a person doesn't believe, well, then they, they just must not be elect. Or if a person doesn't obey in a particular area of their life, well, you know, God just hasn't convicted me in that area of my life, so I'm just going to continue to do X, Y, or Z. Well, the problem with that is that it is exactly contrary to what the Scriptures say and the fact that we do have choices. People do have a choice whether or not they will believe or trust in Christ for the salvation of their souls, for example. Uh, God does not have a, a predetermined, select group of, of individuals who are the only ones who can be saved from eternity past, and everybody else is condemned uh, to hell. No, he has instilled within us the ability to believe in him or not believe in him. He died for the sins of the whole world, verse John 2.2. God loves the world in such a way that he sent his only begotten son to die for the sins of the world, and that whoever will trust in him can have eternal life. John 3.16. The entire world is savable because we all have a choice to make of whether or not we are going to trust in what Christ did for us. Now, after we do that, now we have a choice of whether or not we are going to obey him in the various areas of our life. God doesn't do that for us. He provides all of the spiritual tools for us to do it. He just the same way that he provided all of the forgiveness necessary for us to trust in him by dying on the cross, for, by paying for all the sins of the world on the cross. He makes it possible for us to receive that by trusting in what he did for us. But he doesn't do it for us. We have to choose to do this for ourselves. So how do we how do we actually do this? Well, uh, verse 3, For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. Uh, if we do this, then there's going to be a consequence. We need to seek wisdom. 
as if it's a treasure. Verse 4, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, similar to what Jesus said in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. This was one of the more consistent teachings that Christ did uh, during his public ministry, this idea of seeking after righteousness, seeking after his kingdom. And he, and he promises that if we will do that, he will deliver it to us. Solomon uh, saying exactly the same thing here. If we search after, seek after wisdom, godliness, uh, and these kinds of things, God will deliver it to us. And that is what we find in verse 5 with the supply. Uh, Proverbs 2, 5, Then, if you do these things, receive my words, treasure my commandments, make your ear attentive, incline your heart to understanding, cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding, seek it as if it's a treasure, verse 5, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. You will discern the fear of the Lord. Verse 5. That is just a plain statement of fact. If you do this, then this will happen. You will discern the fear of the Lord. If you go into his word and study who God is, your relationship to him, the things that he has done for you, the, the, the way that he wants you to live, it's right there for you. The supply is, is right in front, in front of you. He doesn't uh, make you attentive. It's kind of like a, a well of water in the ground or the water that's, that's under the ground. It's there, but you, ha you have to dig the well. You have to get it out of the ground somehow. Uh, God's wisdom and, uh, and his instruction for our lives is here in this well, but it, but it doesn't transfer from the pages by osmosis into my into my brain. I've got to read it. I've got to understand it. I've got to treasure it. And when I do that, you will discern the fear of the Lord. You will discover the knowledge of God. These are promises right from the, the text there. Proverbs 2, 5, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. You don't have this information inherently in you. Uh, in spite of what uh, <laughs> the world wants to tell you, you don't have a, a little spark of divinity within you. You have a big uh, flame of evil within you. That's what your heart is. And uh, we need to go to God to uh, find this, this truth and this uh, knowledge of who he is. He is the one who is perfect. He is the one that we need to trust in and rest in. Philippians 4, 
8, Paul says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Where do we find things that are true, honorable, right, pure, uh, lovely, good repute, anything worthy of praise? It's in this book. It's in the pages of Scripture. That's what we need to be dwelling on. And Paul, you got to love Paul. He has a lot of confidence in his, uh, in his life that he's living. Verse 9 of Philippians 4, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And promise the God of peace will be with you. That's a promise from Scripture. You, you saturate your mind with the truths of Scripture and you're thinking about that rather than the things that you see, read, hear on social media. And you will, the, the God of peace will be with you. Just like when you walk through town and you, Flushing, Michigan, you don't have to go very far and you see kids that with the rainbow flags, the rainbow hair, this, that, and the other thing. Are, are they concentrating on this? Or are they concentrating, saturating their minds with social media and the things that they see on the internet? They become that. The same, because they're human. That's just the way we are as people. We become the thing that we, that we think about, that we dwell on in our minds. And obviously God wants us to be uh, godly people. So we need to dwell on the truth of his word. And when we do, he gives wisdom. When we ask, he gives. James uh, says very much the same thing. James 1.5, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded, unstable in all his ways. If we, if we need wisdom, if we want wisdom in our life, <laughs> ask God. It, just like it says in Proverbs, if you will receive my words, if you make your ear attentive, if you incline your heart to God's word, if you cry for discernment, he will deliver it to you. And the answer uh, simply comes from his word. That's how we, that's how we receive uh, this truth. God said to the nation of Israel, Deuteronomy 4, 5, See, I have taught you statutes and judgments, uh, Moses speaking, just as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do thus in the land where you are entering to possess it. So keep and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there 
that has a God so near as to, as, to it as the Lord our God whenever we call on him. So Moses saying that the, the people in the land who are there, they're going to see this. What they're going to see that we have a desire to be wise, that we are calling on the Lord, and it will have an effect on them. And then finally, Psalm 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the, the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, your servant is warned in keeping them. There is great reward. So uh, just like the book of Proverbs, should, should the book of Proverbs be in the Bible? Well, that's kind of a silly question. As we can see, it, it is exactly in keeping with the rest of Scripture. It's just even more uh, practical for us. If we will do these things, then the Lord will deliver His wisdom to us. And as, as Christians, we ought to have a desire to, to follow Him. And the way to be able to do that is to go to Him, ask Him, to give you wisdom, ask him to keep you from sin, uh, ask him to forgive you when you do sin, because you will, and he is righteous and he's just and he will forgive you, and then you can carry on in living for him. Let's go to him in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word that we've been able to look into this morning. I thank you for the truth that we see here, that if we seek you, you will make yourself known to us. If we desire to have wisdom, you will give it to us. And we just thank you for this incredible promise from your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who indwells us as believers. And I just pray that we would have hearts that are soft and ready to be molded to the truth of your word. Have hearts that are soft to you, but are protected uh, as if they are encased in steel from the world around us. Help us to just be completely conformed to your image and uh, changed from this evil world that is all around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>